This morning's scripture comes out of the book of Luke, chapter 1, starting with verse 26. If you're using one of the Blue Shed Bibles, it's on page uh, 944. I'll let you get there. The large print Bibles are uh, 1457. Luke 1, 26. So, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin who was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Trace. Good morning, everyone. The Lord be with you. Um, hey, you know, in light of that text and as we continue to sit in this desire for the Spirit to speak and to illuminate, um, let's, let's enter into some time to pray together before we jump into me talking for a couple minutes. So let's remain in that spirit. Ashley, if you would represent us and lead us, that would be really great. Yeah. Just this past week, I received the stack of cards from Kyle Lake, our family life director. And earlier, I talked to the kids about being an intergenerational church. These prayers, all of them, there's so many, are coming from our very own Mars Hill students. So often it's easy to let these get lost, but I would like for us to pray for what these prayers represent. Now, the first one says, I I hope Michigan wins the CFB. (laughs) So there are some of those. But there are just three other themes that came so strongly through these prayers, and I thought for our time um, before Troy teaches us that we would, would pray for our students. Would you join me in doing so? So after each little section, I'll say we pray to the Lord, and if you'll respond with Lord, hear our prayer. God, we pray for our students here at Mars Hill. Heal all who are depressed, sick, or mourning, Lord. Comfort them and their families in their weakness and grief. Bind up all wounds, physical and mental, and renew their joy. May those who are downcast feel alive in you again. We pray to the Lord. 
God, we pray for students who feel alone, insecure, or unloved. Show them the greatness of your love for them, Lord. May your presence remind them of who they are in you. Provide good friends for them, God, that they may experience goodness and belonging found in healthy community. And may we, as their fellow brothers and sisters, be an active and loving community for them. We pray to the Lord. And finally, we pray for the students who are anxious about the future, whether about family dynamics, schoolwork, driver's ed, or securing jobs. We pray that your peace would settle in each heart and drive away fear. We pray protection over each student from the schemes of the evil one, from any and all darkness that may try to displace your truth light, and love. We pray to the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Hey, my name is Troy. Happy to be one of our pastors here. Um, did I ever tell you about the time when... Uh, famous basketball player gave me a really rude hand gesture and then spoke some curse words at me. I've never told you that story. I should tell you that story sometime. It would be a... Now, the year is 1997. I'm on tour with a band. We have a couple of days off. We're in Los Angeles. Um, and we're meeting up with a friend that I knew from college, and he's showing us around a couple neighborhoods. Um, it's late summer. It's, I bet it's three or four in the afternoon. And as we're walking along, our friend who lives there says, You know what? I think we're close to this new trendy club that's somewhat in this neighborhood. We should see if we can get in. Three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know how trendy this club is, but anyway, so we find a big long line and we get in it, hoping that this is leading us into some sort of new trendy club. The line eventually splits into two lines and we realize we're in the line that has no chance of getting in, partly because we're wearing jean shorts and, you know, uh, band t-shirts probably, um, but we persist nonetheless we get closer and closer to the front of the line or get to talk to a bouncer and start going, hey, th that line's moving. This line's not moving very much. And he does one of these, you're not getting there looking like this. This place doesn't allow shorts and it doesn't allow shirts without a collar. But we have great confidence in our charisma and in wearing people down so we stay at the front of the line. Enter said famous basketball player. Now, I don't want to tarnish the reputation of this basketball player. I don't want to speak ill against its, this person's name. I will call this person Spotty Kippen. <laughs> we're, st <laughs> we're standing here at the front of the line 
And Spotty Kippen gets out of his automobile, larger than life, and starts making his way to the entrance of this club. And the bouncers are clearing the way, and he's, it's obvious he's going to be let in. And our group says, hold on, wait, 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 wait. How come he can get in? He's wearing basketball shorts. Those aren't even as good as jean shorts, obviously. And not only does he not have a collar, he doesn't have sleeves. He's wearing a tank top. What gives? And this is when Spotty Kippen looks at me and gives me a crude hand gesture and invites me to do something which involves some curse words and walks right into the club. The bouncer that we've been talking to looks at me with a smile and says, let that be a lesson to you. He will always be Scotty Pippen, and you, Scott, he will always be famous. <laughs> Slip, should have practiced this. He will always be who he is, and you will always be just you. Hold on to that life lesson for a minute. You will always be just you. We're in our second week of Advent, and we're continuing in this season of Advent, this faithfully curious series. During this series, we've been trying to highlight questions that are asked in the Bible, questions that we think are still important for us to think about and to answer centuries later. Last week, Tim kicked off Advent. He told the story of Zechariah. The story of Zechariah, whose wife Elizabeth is told, um, an angel says to Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby, even though Zechariah and Elizabeth are really old and she's not able to conceive. And Zechariah asks this faithfully curious question, um, how can I be sure of this? Really good teaching. Listen to it if you missed last week. This week's story, it shares some of the similar details. In fact, this story immediately follows in Luke that story of Zechariah. And in fact, our story begins by using the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth as a frame of reference. In this story, though, an angel also appears. This angel gets a name. This angel is called Gabriel. This angel comes to a city called Nazareth and comes to speak directly to the woman, a virgin named Mary. Now, let me stop here. I'm just going to make our way through the, the story. I want to stop and highlight this particular detail. The text says, God sent it's just a few words into this story, and the writer is already establishing a theme you're going to see throughout the whole episode. God is the one who is acting. Don't miss this passing detail. This is massively important for us to remember God is the one who is initiating the encounter. God is the one who will continue to be working throughout the whole thing. Hold on to that. Then the angel greets Mary. The angel says of Mary, 
you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Okay, at this point in the story, what do we know about Mary? We don't know very much. We know that she's a virgin. We know that she's pledged to be married to Joseph. We know that she lives in Nazareth. But notice, notice that there is nothing to indicate that Mary is spectacular. That's good news, by the way. Mary is not spectacular. Nothing here indicates that Mary's earned this visit from an angel. Nothing here indicates that Mary has earned the pronouncement that she's favored. Nothing here indicates that she deserves the responsibility that the angel is going to then let her know about. So what makes the fact that Mary is highly favored true? By the way, this isn't a trick question. What makes it true is because God said it was true. Is that satisfying for you? I recognize kind of how not profound it is to say that. But what makes it true is because God speaking through this angel Gabriel tells Mary that it is true. She doesn't have to earn it. She doesn't have to prove that it's accurately given. She doesn't have to demonstrate worthiness. And the reason why I ask if that's sufficient for you is because our modern Western selves really struggle with something like this. We struggle. We're so steeped in a a meritocracy thinking that we get what we deserve, that we get what we have worked for. We get what we have earned. So when we come to a moment like this where it seems like Mary did nothing to deserve or to earn this pronouncement, you are favored by God, we think, well, there must be some evidence to defend it or to back it up. There must be something that we can point to. There must be something that Mary had done in order to earn it. Next, we find that Mary is greatly troubled by what the angel said. Now, um, there are a lot of paintings about this scene, this moment in the Bible. Um, The announcement, the annunciation a lot of paintings throughout history. And um, I'm not an art critic, but I, when I look at them, I find most of them really unsatisfying, particularly around this detail. When Luke says that Mary is greatly troubled, I, f- I find most paintings don't capture this emotion, this moment. I, I kind of like this painting, though. Dante Gabriel Rossetti is from the mid-1800s. I saw this for the first time at the Tate in London. Now, I will say this. While this painting unfortunately perpetuates the trend to represent biblical characters as sun-deprived white people, which is really problematic, while it does that, I think it does get a couple things right. Notice how young Mary looks. I think it gets this sense right. This is a young child that we're talking about. And look at that expression. I mean, 
That expression is saying a lot of things. This is not a passively accepting things kind of expression. This is not an expression of indifference. I mean, I see here, I see dismay. I see confusion. I don't know if it's exactly greatly troubled, but there is some intensity in this expression. Mary probably felt really undeserving. She probably felt like a really unlikely audience for an angel. I wonder when the text says that she's greatly troubled, if it's, if it's pointing to somebody who is great humility. I wonder if this is reminding us that Mary is really pure in heart. Whatever it is, I think what is clear to us is Mary can't quite figure out what is happening. Mary's having a hard time with this moment. And then the angel stresses again, Mary, you have found favor with God. You don't need to be afraid. And then the angel goes on to lay out loads and loads of good news. Good news for God's people. Good news for Mary. Mary's going to have a child. But it becomes clear very quickly this child isn't going to be ordinary. It says, he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. By the way, there it is again. God is the initiator, as the actor. The Lord will give this child the throne. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. The son will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. This is a big announcement. This is big, big news. And Mary's reaction to this news is to ask this faithfully curious question. How will this be since I am a virgin? So here is this evergreen, faithfully curious question for the day. How will this be I think Mary does something here that many of us do, maybe even without realizing it. That when faced with divine good news, often our reaction is to wonder, oh, okay, but, but, what, but what about me? How can that be true when this is true about me? How can this be good news? How could it be that God would show favor, that God would promise life to come in and through Mary? How could it be that this child, this promised child will be great, that this promised child will rule and will reign? How can this be true in light of the truth about the person to whom the good news is told? I think many of us, 
Many of us, when faced with marvelous good news of God in Christ, that we're quick, that we're quick to dismiss it because of who we know ourselves to be. I think some of us struggle to believe that it could be true because of what we know is true about us. Some of us look to rationalize away or we look to relocate it to other people or we, we just simply elevate our own stories above the pronouncements of God. By the way, this is a consistent theme throughout the Bible. It happens constantly and it runs to the very end of 2023. In the face of good news being announced, human beings realize that we are, well, we're so human. We're so limited. We're so unlikely. We're so untested. How will this be? How will this be since I'm single? How will this be since I'm unemployed? How will this be since I'm from Hudsonville? How will this be since I'm just a mom? How will this be since I... I, I I only work a, day, a desk job. How will this be since I'm divorced? How will this be since I'm retired and I'm well past my prime? How will this be since I didn't go to college? How will this be since I don't read the Bible, I don't pray very often, I don't attend the church very much? How will this, maybe this, how will this be since I will always be just me. Mary's story keeps going. Past what we heard read this morning. The angel responds. The angel responds and says that there is a power that will accomplish and will actualize what God says is true that will come outside of Mary. The Holy Spirit will come and the power of the Most High will overshadow Mary. The angel confirms what has been stressed throughout this entire episode. God is the one acting. God is the one making things happen. God is the one initiating. God is the one accomplishing. It is not dependent on Mary to manufacture the truth. It's not dependent on the, the good news doesn't rely on Mary and her power and her experiences and her abilities. There is power that will be provided that will make this happen. Thanks be to God. And then the scene closes with Mary's final words, her response. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. Mary doesn't make the truth a reality, but she does decide 
to cooperate with it. She decides to serve the Lord in the actualizing of the truth. And she submits to a pronouncement of truth that is greater than the one she is so familiar with. Mary says, may it be according to your word. Not according to the way Mary sees and understands herself. Not according to the story that she regularly narrates. I will always be just me. Not according to what appears to her human perspective to be only limitations, only impossibilities. Not according to what would look to be the very end of the story, but according to your word, O oh God, she says. I think... I think that revisiting a familiar story, this familiar story of Mary, in order for this story to confront our stories is a really good Advent invitation. To allow this story to confront our own stories. During this season of waiting and wondering, Pay attention to how you are possibly missing out on more power and on more life being realized in and through you by only prioritizing what you know is currently true about yourself. Pay attention to that. What is a step? What is a step toward greater cooperation or to yielding to the good news of God in Christ in spite of your limitations, in spite of your qualifications or lack of qualifications, in spite of your unlikeliness? How is it that you are trusting more in God's pronounced truth than everything else? Everything else. Mary wasn't making stuff up. She was a virgin. That's true. But she eventually believes and relies upon a greater truth. I wonder if you find yourself when face to face with powerful truth, powerful biblical truth, do you find yourself with, well, how will this be kinds of replies. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But how will this be? Since I've done and I've said and I continue to do and continue to say so many terrible things. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. How will this be? How will this be since I have only ever experienced neglect and abuse and manipulation and abandonment and disappointment from my earthly parents? And how will this be since I'm 
I'm such an imperfect parent to my own children. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How will this be since I'm such a crummy Christian? Since I'm a wandering sheep, since I'm a doubting disciple, since I'm a fair-weather follower. You are a new creation in Christ. How will, how will this be since I'm so damaged, I'm so broken? And I, I'm not interested in even taking care of myself right now, so I can't possibly deserve that. You have been made alive in Christ. You are God's handiwork. You have been brought near to God. You have access to the Father by the one Spirit. You are no longer foreigners or strangers. You are fellow household members. You are citizens. You are a holy temple. You are a dwelling place in which God lives by his Spirit. How will this be? How will this be? Because I'm so tired. And I'm constantly overwhelmed. And I'm constantly stressed out. And I'm constantly stretched too thin. And I'm barely holding on to things right now. How will this be? I wonder... In this season, how are you trusting in God's pronounced truth more than your own imperfections, your own limitations, your own inadequacies? What might be in front of you that's being resisted or outright avoided? What's in front of you that might be overshadowed by your limited perspective, that might be overshadowed by your familiar, self-focused narrative? What might be in front of you that's inviting you to adopt a humble attitude of submission that says, let it be according to your word, O oh God, not mine. This Advent, would you be on the lookout? Would you be on the lookout for words from God? Pronouncements of divine truth that might unlock your trust, that might open you up, that might compel you to cooperate, that would compel you to yield and to live into what right now might seem impossible to what right now seems so hard to imagine being true. Be listening for these pronouncements of truth from God. Pay attention to your quick responses. Do you have quick responses to diminish, to dismiss, to rationalize away? And would you seek to yield to a power outside of yourself? a power outside of yourself to accomplish and to actualize the good news of God. Church, I'm praying that the power of the Most High would overshadow every one of you. 
and that the power of the Most High would overshadow all your doubts. I'm praying that the power of the Most High would expand your imagination and would expand your faith beyond your own limitations, beyond your imperfections. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit's presence would enable you to yield and to surrender to the truth of God in Christ so that you might see revealed in and through you more than you ever thought or imagined for the sake of the world. And I'm praying that you would know beyond any doubt that the Lord is with you and that the Lord has found favor with you. And amen. How will this be? How would it be that for you and for I and for the world that God loves, Jesus would give himself. This great child whose kingdom will never end, who would forever sit on a throne, would submit himself, would make himself nothing. How will it be? And it is. And we encounter it every week at this table. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. And let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And in a spirit of thanksgiving, let's pray together and say, It is right, it is good, it is a joyful thing at all times and in all places to give thanks to you. God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. So we join our voices with the angels and the archangels, the entire company of heaven, who forever surround your throne, singing this hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So Holy Spirit, would you Would you in this moment overshadow us? Would your power be evident? And would you meet us in these simple elements? Would you feed us? Would you embolden us? Would you increase our faith? And would you remind us of the powerful truth of God in Christ that with us, God, you have found favor. You are with us. And amen. We tell this story that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he invited them to take and to eat because this is his body is broken for us. And in a similar way, he took the cup and he blessed it and he
He said, this cup is the new covenant, the new promise sealed in my blood. And so every time we eat and we drink, we tell this, this story again. We take the story into our bodies and we live it out and tell it again. This truth, which is so at times impossible and hard to believe could be. And we take it in again and again, reminding ourselves that it is true. A story that we summarize in these simple winsome phrases that we've inherited, this mystery of our faith, we speak all together. Christ has died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. So there are allergen-free elements of these four tables. You can be served down here front. We're going to pray together. People to be prayed, we're willing to pray for you over here. You can pray. You can submit a prayer into these prayer walls. We're going to sing together. Let's be reminded of this great truth of God in Christ. So I invite you to come to taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and receive who you are, the body of Christ.